Today we're going to get curious with Gail Harris, a free spirit consciousness programmer and mother of two. As a spiritual therapist, she facilitates connection of the mind, body and soul with various techniques including cold water therapy, sound healing and tension setting, Peruvian plant medicines and much more. In the first episode of this two-part series, Gail shares some of the key moments from her childhood and explains how food, psychedelics and plant medicines have facilitated her healing and transformed her life. She opens up about her experiences of caring for her mum through illness and later life and talks about the importance of reparenting ourselves. I came away from this conversation with a number of perspective shifts and a renewed focus on the food that I put into my body. I hope you enjoy it. Welcome to Authentic Self, your companion on the path of self-exploration and expression. If you're tired of wearing masks that hide the real you and leave you feeling disconnected and unfulfilled, then you're in the right place. In each episode, our guests will share their stories, insights and practices, providing you with the inspiration and skills needed to break free and tap into the radiant authenticity that lies within you. Just one last thing before we get started. I just want to apologize about the audio quality of this conversation. There was an error with the microphones and therefore the audio has been taken from the camera. It's nowhere near as good quality and I don't think it does Gail justice. But if you are able to tune out of the background noise and tune into Gail, she has so much wisdom and insight to offer and I really think it'll be worth your time. So thank you for your patience and I hope you enjoy the episode. actually hating money. I feel like I was a bit of a spoiled child because if I really wanted something, I'd stamp my foot and get it. But money, I've grown up watching how it can destroy people, wanting to hoard it, wanting to make more of it, wanting to have it off other people. And I've had to reprogram myself to realise that money is just a source of energy. And it's our birthright, and I love money. Mm -hmm. I don't necessarily need it, but it comes to me and I am provided with whatever I need, whether it be love, money, food, shelter. Yeah. And that it can be okay to like it. Yeah, it's fine to like it. Yeah. It's good to like it. What did you witness or experience growing up to? My mum, really. She likes to hoard money and maybe just the, the way she spoke about it it was a bit of a lack thing even though she had enough and she would she would like date men rich men and then say which bit of a man hater almost the way she spoke about men it's like oh they should give me this and all men are terrible and they all they want is your money and I didn't like that how did you start to change the way that you thought about money it's only in the last few years really that I've really become aware of my relationship with money I feel like I've always been provided for what I needed I always got so it wasn't an issue for me I wasn't like I need to get money or but I was aware that I didn't like that part maybe it was just my mum but my dad was again he would say he would work really hard all through his life and he would always be like I haven't got enough money to retire because I was like why don't you retire I haven't got enough so it was a bit of a a lack around money, even though they had money, 
it's within my eyes. I don't want to hoard money. What I give out comes back to me. So money, love, good vibes, kindness. Yeah. What else in your like childhood, younger years, did you experience, did you go through and that started shaping? Oh god, right. Well so I've literally been doing a, a really interesting course that I'm I'm doing at the moment with a lady. Um, and it takes you back three chakras to each age group and <laughs> so from my youngest years I had abandonment issues. For the fact that now I can look back and I understand before I was like conscious of what was going on, I must have maybe been two or three. My dad just left um, and moved to Wales from Manchester. And I don't know why, because I was just a tiny little child. Um, but after he died, I found all the divorce papers and they, my mum and dad were going through a custody battle over me, basically. So... I always wondered why, oh, my mum would buy me something and my dad would buy me something and then my mum would buy me something. I was almost not being used as a tool, but it was they were, they were trying to buy my favour, let's say. Yeah. Um, maybe consciously, maybe not consciously. Yeah. But it's, yeah. Um, I mean, I don't look back at that as a, you know in any regrets or whatever because it's kind of shaped me to be a very independent rebellious kind of spirit which I love <laughs> yeah um yeah so yeah there was that and I think that was that's been a massive a massive part of my life people pleasing because you think what well, not even consciously what if they go I didn't even consciously think of that okay. until a few years ago, really. I mean, obviously, I knew that my dad left and I knew that my mum and dad had divorced, but I didn't know that, as a child, they were fighting over me, basically. So I think that's just a, a really large part of, um, yeah. And then again, my mum, when I was um, 15, decided to send me to boarding school. So... I was thinking about this on the way to drive down, actually. I was like, I didn't really... I never cooked before that, really, apart from, like, what I did with my nana. My nana would, like, you can't, let's do some baking or whatnot. And she taught me to iron. I'd never washed my clothes on my own before that. I'd never really had to make meals or whatnot. And I'd never lived away from home. No. So from living at home to then going to Yorkshire and living there, I'd only come in home every third weekend. Wow. It was a bit of a... I say a shock, and in fact, I went. I went to the new school halfway through a term, so everyone's like, "Oh, who's that new girl?" <laughs> Just to make it even harder. Yeah, but it was great. I mean, I fit in. I feel like I fit into situations quite easily, but it was a must have been a bit of a shock to my system. What did you think about it at the time? Well, I felt like I was kind of getting sent away so that my mum could date this older rich guy. <laughs> and I did ask her later on in life why she did it, and she said because I thought it would be the best thing for you. Again, I think a bit underlying, she wanted to sort of relive a bit of her freedom. But either way, I'm grateful for it anyway, so yeah. I met a lot of interesting people from all around the world. Yeah. So, um, yeah. and I used to get away with a lot more than I did at home. My mum was a very fearful, like, we, I grew up having horses, and she'd be like, oh, if you want to go and ride now, I was a little bit older, I'd want to go for a hack. So I'd have to go down the lanes and then go somewhere else. She'd drive behind me with the car just to make sure that I was okay. I hated it. I hated it. 
with a passion. It's like a hawk eye. And I mean, I know she was only doing it to make sure that I was safe, but she didn't trust that I was going to be safe, is the thing. Yes. Whereas with my children, if they want to do something, I'll make sure that they know of all the risks or whatever. But I don't have that fear of something happening to them. I believe that whatever happens in our in our life and our path is meant to happen. And I'm not going to be worried about something happening to someone. Because you'll manifest it. Yeah. Maybe just limit it twice then. Yeah, if it does there's no happen. need to be anxious for no reason. Did you ever feel like you had to be a certain person in front of her because she was watching all the time? Or did you feel that you were okay to be yourself but were just aware of I, being watched? I I feel like I didn't really listen to her very much because she would try to like teach me stuff with the horses or if I couldn't do it, she's like, watch, I'll get on and do it. And I was more interested in looking at the ground in my own mind. So I was off in a different realm, <laughs> yeah. which isn't great, is it really? But I wasn't that interested. Were you interested? I was disconnected from her. Okay. Because she was disconnected to herself. So I feel like I was a reflection and it used to annoy her. Why can't you watch or, you know, you're not learning? Well, where did that disconnect come from? In my mum. Or yeah. in me. Yeah. Oh, my well, mum. My first. Well, so my mum um, literally has had so much trauma. She grew up. My granddad was a famous boxer, Jock McAvoy, and he grew up and he was a bit of a spoiled child. He didn't like rules or whatever, and would violently react to anything that he didn't like, basically. Um, so he ended up with polio uh, and on sticks after his boxing career. And my mum remembers him as she was a little kid, like going around on a little trike thing in the house on sticks. But he was very controlling with her to the fact that he wouldn't let her like hang around with boys or date quite young or whatnot. So she was, she must have felt almost that he was living his second part of his life because he was quite depressed and on a lot of medication just for depression and whatnot. He bought her horses and, and she did really well with them because he was pushing her and she would train the horses and she went and showed drinks in Wembley and she's got like loads of cool stuff in the newspapers, like clippings about like Pat Harris, but it was always Jock McAvoy's daughter. So he was the famous one. And that must be a little bit, I don't know, not, I don't know how to put it, but almost like you're not quite good enough. Maybe. To stand on your own and be your own. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, then what happened, she got married at like 19, I think, to like the first boy that she really got to connect with, a guy from a garden centre. And he used to leave her with one of his friends all the time, um, a lad. And she ended up being found by her dad, who was in a really bad place um, mentally with this other guy. And... And he went and killed himself, overdosed on medication. So she must have lost her husband and her dad at the same time. But again, she grew up, so my granddad and my nana always rowing. My granddad had a different family somewhere, like from previous. But she grew up around a toxic relationship, so she didn't know what was normal. Um, and then I obviously grew up 
and she was single all the time, apart from when I was very little. Um, but she did people. I mean, I didn't really take much notice of what she did. Um, but yeah, I mean, in in one way, I feel a bit sorry for her, but then it's it's her path, isn't it? If she didn't want to become aware of her own negative habits yeah. or programming from her parents, and uh, it's given me a lot more awareness of everything. So I'm just grateful for that. At least they're not getting passed on to another generation. No, exactly. <laughs> Yeah. But it's been really hard work because I feel like on my mum's side of the family I've had addictions and medication sort of things to come over. I've never liked medication myself. Um, my mum would, you know, I used to suffer with really bad migraines when I was young and she'd, hey, have these tablets, have paracetamol, go to the doctors, have more tablets. And I hated it because I didn't feel like they worked. But um, she was trying to lead me down the medication path. Yeah. Because... My granddad had done it. She she'd been on medication for years, and that literally only like say six years ago we went on a really big journey together where I got her off so much medication, um, and then she was on none, and all her arthritis went. She lost weight. It was great. Um, so there was that side of things, but again I've learned so much. So it's been fantastic. And then my dad's side, he was an alcoholic. He lived on his own. Like after he split up with my mum. I never saw him with another woman. And he would work. He was an overworker. And, yeah, in his spare time, like, he'd come in from work and he'd have a drink. So that's kind of quite sad. But, yeah, I don't touch alcohol, so I'm grateful for the awareness around alcohol and drinking. Did you ever try it? Drinking? Yeah. Oh my god, yeah, I used to go get wrecked all the week at the weekends all the time. Yeah, I drank quite a lot, but I didn't drink at home, but I did when I went out. Started drinking at 15, 16, probably going to the pub. Yeah. Yeah. Had seeing your dad drinking made you think about drinking in any different way, or was it just. No, like, not really. You know? Not really. Yeah. Just... But he used to drink brandy, and I didn't drink brandy. But, but it's just normal, isn't it? If your parent drinks a lot every day, then if you think that's normal, that like you can drink every day. Did the, his overworking, did that, how did that affect you? Do you know what? My dad was great. So he would work a lot. And then when I obviously still lived in Manchester, he would come and visit and he would stay at my nan's house every weekend without fail. I could trust that he would be there. And we used to have a nice time. And he used to bring me to Wales and we'd go shooting and fishing, like really nice outdoor country lifestyle my dad was really chill and he didn't shout at me obviously if I really annoyed him he was just a big energy and he would grow and I was like okay you don't even need to say anything cross the line there that's it um but after I left boarding school I came and moved with my dad but because I'd been away from home for two years I hadn't been parented so I did what I wanted to do so I kind of I I didn't. I did get a job straight away, because um, I didn't want to go into a, a, like an office job or whatnot. I went and worked with horses, um, so I was getting the bus to work, getting the bus home, going to the pub, met different people. So I'd I'd work, I'd drink, then start drugs, I'd party. But my dad was always there, and he didn't obviously know that I was doing drugs. He knew I'd drink, but he he was he was there. I mean, obviously worked hard and. Um, yeah, I, I 
kind of had a bit of a disconnected relationship with him because I was very disconnected with myself. So that passed on from my mum. Yeah. We've got no role models, no nothing to look up to. No, to exactly. No. How long did that phase last when you'd got a job? You'd started drinking, started using drugs. Where did that go from there? So from about the age of 15, 16 to, let's say, I only stopped drinking six or seven years ago. Okay. And the same with other drugs, party drugs. Yeah. So that phase lasted a long time. A long time. <laughs> yeah. 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 Because it can, becomes a pattern. So why did you stop? DMT. <laughs> What's that? Dimethyltryptamine. It's basically the smokable version of ayahuasca. Okay. So I'd met an Irish lad. Um, we actually went on a date in Chester and said, sorry, I don't fancy you at all. But, <laughs> I was, honestly, yes. you know. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, do you know what? I didn't go out all the time. I had, because I had kids, I'd reduced... I'd reduced the time that I used to go out drinking and whatnot and didn't really... I wasn't taking drugs all the time. That was younger. But, like, there were still times when I would, okay, you know, I would I would do it. If we were doing a party or something, going out, it's my birthday, then, yeah, I would. Um, but when I drank, I didn't like it. I, I would take a few drugs so that I wasn't sick. <laughs> my body didn't like alcohol. No. And I just wasn't listening to myself, you know. So you took the DMT? So yeah, anyway, met this Irish lad and he said, um, he meant it, I'd heard of DMT a few times and I wasn't really interested in it. He kept bringing it up. So I said, you know what, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go and do a little, I'm gonna research it. And then I was like, oh, do you know what? Actually, I'm very drawn to this. So I tried it and I tried it a few times. It's not addictive. Oh my God, did it open up a different world? Felt like my whole of my brain got activated. And then I just woke up one day. Um, I was working in a tattoo studio at the time, doing piercing and semi-permanent makeup. And after work, I used to take people, I was like, come on, we'll go to the pub, we'll just have a couple of drinks before we go home. And we'd sit in the beer garden and chat. Woke up one day, don't drink. Hadn't consciously decided not to drink. I just didn't drink and I haven't touched alcohol since. And I never would. Um, and then I started going off food. I was like, oh, I wasn't eating very well, to be honest. I already eat KFC quite a lot in the week because it was <laughs> convenient. And people would come in and it's probably nice if I'd grab that. Obviously, I would still cook food and have a bit of healthy food, like food every day. But yeah, I was like, I've gone off food. And then full journey into like plant-based food and much healthier choices. Yeah. And it's been a real roller coaster of a journey since then just information like firing at me and I'm like just keep giving it me it's great I'm gonna use everything that resonates with me stopping drinking was that kind of the first step yes and then you went off different foods yeah. changed your diet yeah what kind of came next and, and what it you... basically made me aware of what I was putting into my body that was not beneficial at all it, it kind of, I kind of started tuning into the vibrations of things. So alcohol, low vibration, it's like, no, you, you don't put that in your body anymore. It tapped me into my soul and I started listening to my soul. It reconnected me, in fact. So as my brain activated, which is the receptors, like it, it, 
everything just started like fitting into a bit of a jigsaw where I'd had this disconnect before. It's it's, it's almost like reset me, giving me a right full reset. And I was like, well, I feel like a different person now. And then I guess when you've had that reset, you then become aware, like you said, you had the alcohol didn't feel good, but you hadn't taken notice of that previously. When you get that reset, and I imagine then you do notice those things. That well, I, I almost, right. I didn't, yeah, it wasn't like that I had to notice it. It was like, I know 100% that I'm not putting that into my body anymore. There's no withdrawal symptoms from drinking. There's no issue about other people drinking around me. I don't drink, yeah. full stop. I don't want alcohol. I don't need it. You've got two kids. Yes. How old are they? So my daughter's 21. Does she drink? She's had a, the odd drink, but no, she doesn't drink. No. She's actually Christmas, New Year it was, she stopped eating meat. It, our own journey comes to us. Yeah. We don't have to push it. Like, I never asked her to stop eating meat because I would never do that because I loved meat all through my life. I was a huge meat eater and I loved it. With the knowing, has that continued? Oh, yeah, it's just increased. Yeah. The more I've tapped into my soul and uh, my intuition, um, yeah, I can just feel the energy of, of things. What are some things that have recently you've kind of... Good or bad? Both. Um, so I feel like the, the more you go through, you know, you, I feel like everything's already here. And as we tap into, like different energy levels it's a different dimension basically so when as you reach a different dimension there's other things around us which are already there but haven't been in our consciousness at that time so some really good things like that i rate at the moment shilajit yeah my partner has that it <laughs> it does taste pretty gross but oh, i love it you like it i love it i don't you don't eat it just as it is do you no no well, I put it in my cups too, I love it. Yeah. The only thing I'll have it with is hot chocolate because it <laughs> it masks the taste. Oh no, I'll put it in water. For anyone that's listening that doesn't know what shilajit is. So shilajit is resin from the Himalayan mountains full of minerals and vitamins. It's like old, isn't it? It's, I think it's broken down plant matter, is it? Yeah, I think so, yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's great for energy sexual levels <laughs> lots of different things but again it's very high vibrational so you put a high vibrational produce into your body you benefit your body it can allow it to heal <laughs> alkaline diet that's a great thing now what's that so um i'll tell you a little bit of the story about my mum she's got alzheimer's my nana had it again i feel like that's suppressed trauma um my mum was on so much medication and the doctors just kept giving her more medication. They medicate symptoms rather than root causes. Yeah. Uh, and the, the combination of all her medication was giving her different symptoms and she ended up having a stroke. Um, so I I hadn't taken any notice of like my mum. She was just an independent woman doing her thing and I'd see her like, you know, every day because we did the horses and whatnot. Then all of a sudden she starts like following me around a little bit, coming into my work, rocking, and then have these like moments where she would freeze and like have a panic-stricken look on her face. And I'd be like, Mum, you okay? Non-responsive. So I was like, what the hell is this? Like I was like afraid because I was like, I've never experienced this and what's going on? Like, 
I just didn't know. So anyway, I went into the doctors and said, something's not right with my mum. Can, you know, this medication she's on, is it safe? Oh, no, she needs to be on all that because she's had a stroke and da 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 So I went home and I, I, it didn't sit right with me. And I researched the side effects of the medication and one of them said, I think it was a sertraline, it might have been, or atavastatin, um, if there's any confusion or memory problems, stop this immediately and speak to your doctor. So I was like, lost trust with the doctors. I was like, you don't even know what the side effects are. I said, all you're doing is medicating a symptom. You're putting it into your computer, right, this is this. And then you're showing you a medication to give to someone. So I said, I tell you what, I said, give me a printout of all my mum's notes. And uh, the amount of medication she'd been on for the last, like, 20 years was a joke. Absolute joke. When they'd be, like, she'd been on naproxen for nine years, but with a gap of six months in the middle. Um, and she, you see, she's, like, rang up, oh, I want, need the medication. She's not even gone in, they've just given it to her. And then there's been a review, and the doctor's put that she's on a lot of medication here, and a little bit concerned, but, uh, do you know what, here's another medication... So I'm like, wow. I I could have had a medical negligence claim with her, but there's no point. I'd rather just have... It's not the money. I'd rather bring the awareness to people yeah. that if you find a doctor that works with you and tells you, do you know what? If the, if the doctor had said to her, Pat, you've got arthritis, you've got sciatica, and you've had it for the last 20 years, and I'm feeding you full of medication here, and it's not doing any different. You've got arthritis in your fingers, and they're swelling up. You're getting worse, not better. Why don't you go away and just change your diet slightly and come back and let's see? Because I changed my mum's diet from all the crap that she was eating to a plant-based diet, took her off all medication, put her on CBD because it was a point where she was dying in front of my eyes so I could have carried on letting her have the medication or I know it was dangerous to take her off all the medication quickly but I did and I gave her CBD and yeah, okay, she went through a bit of a... There was 18 months where we weren't helped at all by the, by the system and it's a blessing in disguise because in that time, we went on a journey together of changing diets. She, she lost about two or three stone. All her arthritis went, all her sciatica went. She started coming and doing kundalini yoga with me. She'd get up up and down off the floor and then my mum did ayahuasca at 76. I thought she was dead because it's a nighttime ceremony. And she's lying on this bed a bit further down. She only came because I was going and she wanted to come where I was going. And I'm looking at her and I'm like, she's not breathing. I'm like, oh, well, do you know what? She's died quietly. <laughs> I've come to accept death and it doesn't bother me the same. Obviously, it's sad at the time, but I don't believe death is real because I, I've had an ayahuasca ceremony where I've, I've spoken to my dad. Not seen him physically, but he's been there and we've had a conversation in my mind. I'm like, is that real? Is it not? It's very real to me. So... It doesn't really bother me if, okay, you've not got the physical version of that person, but then never die. The alkaline diet. The alkaline diet, yes. So this has led to the alkaline diet. Medication's very acidic. And when you are putting acidic foods or, you know, substances, alcohol, sugar, um, things like processed foods, oils can be carcinogenic so when we put those things into our body our body has to heal from them it causes acidity if you go to your doctor and say i think my, my body's acidic they'll take a blood test and they'll go no it's not it's okay but that is because our body is like a supercomputer and it it registers that right we're acidic leach some calcium out of your bones to counteract the acidity so if you want to test yourself do a wee sample test 
and a dipstick. If you're acidic, your body's healing from food, medication, alcohol, just things that you're consuming on a day-to-day basis. So if you change that as much as possible and start consuming alkaline foods, even doing breath work can alkalize your body. So Wim Hof does it, you know, he does certain breath work patterns and whatnot. It alkalizes your blood. We're healing ourselves from the inside out. What are some of the best foods that... Organic lemon. You squeeze that into, like, filtered water. Yeah. Alkaline. Raw foods. So things like raw Brussels sprouts, they're really good. I know you're like, uh Great, a raw Brussels sprout and turn it into, like, your own coleslaw. It doesn't taste like a sprout. So make your own, like, lemon and pepper and mustard dressing. I wouldn't ever tell anyone, go and change all your diet, because that's really hard. But I don't think diets work. I think small, incremental life lifestyle changes are so much better. Sugar's terrible for... Sugar's so bad for your brain. Processed sugar, anyway. Yeah. And it's like what you were saying with your daughter about people come to it when it's the right time yeah, for them. Yeah. And um, kind of drip-feeding people information can be good because it gets them thinking about potential alternatives to exactly. to what they're doing. But... Um, Forcing something down someone's throat never works. You don't hear it. Has she always been receptive to the things that you've spoken about? Because for her to completely adopt this diet that you've encouraged to to go off the medication, how did that come about? So that was purely because she got to the point of, I will try anything with being ill. Um, And no, she was very anti-drug. Again, it's just lack of knowledge. So even when I was... Say suggesting because I wouldn't force her to do anything. Try CBD. Oh, what's that? Cannabis. It's 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 illegal. It's bad for you. So because I was like, how can I give her more understanding around it? I found a documentary called Charlotte's Web. It's a two-hour documentary, and it was about these two guys who created a strain of cannabis and it had no THC. So they were like, well, how are we going to sell this? Basically, so they started um, producing it and turn it into a paste or drops. And it was helping children who were having epileptic fits. Um, so then we, I just was like, do you know what? Mum, do you want to just watch this documentary with me? Didn't tell her what it was about. And then she went, why is that illegal? So I went, you tell me. And she went, oh, it shouldn't be, should it? I went, no, it shouldn't, should it? Do you want to try it? And she went, oh, yeah, I'll try that. Dead easy. Yeah. But if I'd have said, oh, try this, oh, no, no, you know, the fear would have kicked in then. Yeah, I'll let them hearing it from someone else. Mm-hmm. And with the diet thing, I was like, I'm going to start making changes for me because I've gone off my food. Um, do you want to do it with me? So I, to make it a bit easier for me, because I didn't want to be cooking three meals a day for her, uh, there was a cafe in town um, and, a, and a lady called Jess, and she, Broccoli Bean it was called, and she would do prep meals, vegan, really healthy prep meals. So I was like, why don't I just get you a few of them, see see what you think. And she was like, oh, yeah, they're really nice and they're really convenient. My mum loved convenient stuff, loved it. So I was like, stick your, like, half a week's worth in there and you just pull it out. But she loved the microwave. I don't even use a microwave, I won't. She just heats it up. Oh, she's like, sometimes I even like it cold. So I'm like, you eat it however you want. <laughs> you obviously took the DMT to kind of trigger the start of this. If someone's starting out, 
and they maybe don't want to try that. Uh, yeah, I probably wouldn't say if you've never had a psychedelic in your life to go and smoke DMT. Where would you suggest starting? Microdosing magic mushrooms. Because you get the benefits from them without feeling the trip. If, if anybody wants to change their consciousness and programming microdose magic mushrooms and set intentions, because that, that in itself takes you on a massive journey. The thing is that, you know, I've, I've never come across psychedelics since I was in my 30s, I think 33, I was, something like that. Um, and, then, and then I came across acid, so of course I'm going to try it. I had a great time. But I feel like they're not addictive. And they're not low vibrational, so you might feel a bit tired if you've been up for 12 hours experiencing patterns and colours and twinkling stars. But it's how you use it and your knowledge around that. So by that time, I was like, I'm done with abusing things. I don't abuse things anymore. I will explore because I'm exploring myself now. I'm not using it for an escape. So is that the difference between using something and using being in control using with intention? Using intention, isn't it? Yeah. You know, yeah. So I was using things with intention rather than before. I would go out and have a drink, but then because I'd had a drink, I wanted to have some drugs. Yeah. So it wasn't an intentional use of the drugs. It was just to counteract something. Counteract something and, and like tap into a different feeling. I felt like I needed something. I couldn't have just gone out. Just me. I was very out of balance. I couldn't have, I couldn't really have had a, a good time the same. Because I'm feeling like the disconnect with other people, like someone's on a certain level, I'm on a different level. And I couldn't, because I'm imbalanced, I couldn't cope with that almost. Whereas now, I could go anywhere and I don't need anything, you know, and I'm really in control. I'm a master of my own energy. Did you lose some friends in that process or connections? Yeah. And then did it take a while to start forming... New connections, or have you not done like what? I've I've had a few people that have sort of traveled. I, I still connect with from a while ago, but yeah, basically it's it, it got rid of me. Even my mum, because she's a very negative person, the universe has moved her out of my out of my energy field because it. I feel like my journey has been a bit of an accelerated in a specific direction because I'm here to share all this knowledge that I'm learning for a specific reason to help a lot of other people. But I've helped myself first. Um, and I feel like my mum was holding me back a little bit. I felt like I was in fog. I didn't know what I wanted to do, where I was meant to be going. I was, She was with me 12 hour days, seven days a week. I even lost the ability to communicate very well because she would sit there in silence just looking at me and I felt awkward. But I said, you know, said to myself, I don't want this anymore. I I have got too much burden on my shoulders. It was making me ill. I'd come out in loads of spots and they wouldn't go. They really wouldn't go. My body was under complete stress, massive stress. I had no time for myself at all, like, unless I went to bed. Did, have you ever explained it to her or have you just... Did you talk about it or did you just do it? Oh, I did. No, the universe did it. She literally had a couple of falls and she ended up in her home. But I had no choice about that, you know. But then as I felt guilty at first because there was a couple of years ago she said, oh, I, I want to go in a care home. So I was like, I don't want you to, you know. I, I feel like you've come so far that you're only going to keep progressing. 
you're not going to go downhill. And I was just afraid of it because my, my nana went in a home and with the Alzheimer's, she went downhill so fast. But I feel like because my mum's done ayahuasca, it's, it's counteracted that. And she's not, her memory's not gone backwards. So she's like on this plateau, she's still got short-term memory loss, but that's, that's nothing if you can still remember who you, your family are. Um, so yeah, she, I, I have spoken to her, but it's difficult because there was different things I'd talked to her about. And if it triggered her a little bit, she'd, she'd just block it off like this. So I'm like, you know what, whatever is the right path, whatever's meant to happen for my highest good, for your highest good, let's, let's see what the universe decides. But she'd said, oh, I want to go to a home. And I was like, oh, I don't really want you to. But then she's like, oh, I'm a burden. So I said, well, I'll tell you what, if you want to, let's go and have a look at some and then it's your decision. I'm not going to interfere. I like this one and there's a room. Let's take it now. I went, whoa, hang on. I said, why don't you just try it? The next morning she's on the phone. I will pay to get out of here. And I went, do you know what? I went, you're there for the week. I'm having a little break. Thanks. So you wanted this. I was like, you're not wasting all that money now. I was like, you're experiencing it. She hated it. Because I'd taken a bit of my time back, I did sit down and I said, Mum, it's too much burden for me. I said, I'm going to ask if some carers can come in. And just make sure that you're okay. Make sure that you're eating. I said, because I feel like you know, as much as I like spend, love spending time with you, I need to go back to work. You know, I've took off a few, two, three years of work here to, to, you know, help you. And I'm not helping myself. And my money, so when my dad died, like, I sold his house, sold his house after a few years because I'd rented out for a bit. I was living off that money. And I'm like, the money's disappearing rapidly. So I said, I need to do something. I need to, you know, go back to work or invest in myself to do a, some sort of career. And um, it was really hard for her because she's got the memory problems. She'd got into a pattern of being around, coming around to mine at 10 o'clock in the morning, going home at 10 o'clock at night. If I was like, my mum's tired now, it's time for bed, she'd go and like, be in a bad mood then because I've asked for, you know, my time or sent, feel like she's been rejected, sent away. So I said, look, you know, let's just reduce it down a little bit. But because it was her pattern, she'd be outside my house, sitting on the fence, like looking in the in the window. And I was like, oh my God, I can't cope with this. I don't like the carers and she'd send them away. So yeah, the universe after these falls, she went into hospital because she wouldn't, she broke her arm. She wouldn't have physio, she refused it in the hospital. So they said, look, you need to, um, go to Deeside Hospital. She was there three months, having physio and whatnot. Um, then she came home two weeks. Start, she came round to mine, oh, I'm just going to the shop for milk. I said, just wait. I said, I'm just doing a massage, just wait. I said, it hasn't got the milk that you have there, plant-based milk. And I'll take you to the shop. Went anyway, gets a knock on the door while I'm with a client. Oh, your mum's had a really bad fall down the end of the road. She'd only like, tripped, fallen, the glasses had poked into her eye, broke her nose, smashed all her face up, she's lucky she didn't lose her eye, ends up back in hospital for three months. <clears throat> and then they were assessing her to see whether they thought she was suitable to go back home, and they said no.
in the second episode of this two-part series, Gail explains how you can begin to heal and connect with your true self. She talks about her recent plant dieter and describes the place that modeling animals and nature have in her life. 